FIS Castaway, the podcast keeping you in the know about the shipping and commodity world. To keep up to date, sign up to our FIS Live app at www.fis-live.com or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm Chris Hudson and you're listening to Castaway, FIS's freight and commodity podcast. It is Wednesday the 24th of November and this week you've just got myself and Kerry. Hello. Well, I guess if we were kind of reviewing this week... It's been choppy but calmish on the uh, fuel oil markets and crude generally, despite what we've seen on the strategic reserve, but more about that later. And we're finding a flaw on <clears> freight <throat> and iron ore, finally. We, we have, yeah, finally, uh, at least temporarily. So let's see. I'll get to that in a minute. Cool. Let's go through what's been happening in the news, what's been happening in the indexes, and a little bit about what's been happening behind the scenes on those major markets, the oil and fuel oil, freight and ferrous markets. So what's happened this week? Well, the IMF released funds for Ukraine with Russian uh, troop buildup still continuing on its border. Chinese regulators have eased pressure on property developers by loosening credit controls and allowing more bond issuance in the recent weeks in an effort to stop the uh, sector from collapse. Joe Biden nominated Jay Powell for a second term as Fed chair. China fired a hypersonic weapon over the South China Sea. And the estate of J.R.R. Tolkien, the author of Lord of the Rings, obviously, has successfully vanquished a cryptocurrency that called itself the one token that rules them all. <laughs> so good for them. But what have we seen in terms of the indexes? This is obviously Tuesday the 16th versus Tuesday the 23rd. Yesterday, well, Brent was 82.68, now 81.74, closing last night down 1.1%. The high sulfur fuel oils have both come off, 425.45 on the ROT and the SING, 447.45. 0.7% off and 0.1% off on those. And the point, the very low sulfur fuel oils, the 0.5% uh, off on the Rotterdam, 55767, down 0.2%. And the Sing is actually up 0.3%, 59242, but still below that 600 level. And on the high fives, we've resumed our movement up after a week of going down. On the Rot High Five, that is the difference between the very low sulfur fuel oil and high sulfur fuel oil or scrubber spread, sometimes known as 132 bucks now on the Rotterdam, up 1.5%. And on the Sing, up 5.1%, $145 now. Kerry, what about the freight? As you say, we're finding a floor. The Cape size 5TC is at 33.631. That's up 5,572 or 19.8% week on week. Refreshing to see that positive number. Panamax 4TC. Not quite there yet. Uh, 19664, that's down 3,072 or 13.5%. Meanwhile, on the iron ore, the Platts TSI 62% at $99.45. That is up $9.5 week on week or 10%. And the Fast Markets Metal Bulletin 65% at 113 spot 80. That is up $9.30 or 8.8% on the week. And on the tankers, big movement of the week has been on TC2, up 20.5%, ending 148.89. TC5, 112.43, down 3.3%. T3C, the VLs, basically a non-mover, 42.18. And TD25, up 7.7%, 116.67. And those following the carbon markets, the compulsory European market, the EUA future, closed last night at 69 euros 33 agonizingly close to that $70. I know we were over <laughs> exactly. that previously, but that is moving nicely up, as we have said for a long time now. This is going to be something which yeah, well, we want predicted, to buy. We did predict that, to be fair, yeah. But uh, moving on to what we've actually seen, and Kerry, we're finding a flaw in these freight markets, especially on the Capes, 
a yeah. little bit more negative in the finances. But what have we actually seen? Well, the last Wednesday, I had said that at that stage, that the declines in both the physical and the paper felt sentiment driven. Uh, the market looked pretty undervalued at that point compared to, to what the fundamental demand levels were. And indeed, that day, it found something of a floor with the paper bouncing and the physical finally finding some support starting uh, last Thursday. C5 led the way with continued healthy flows out of Australia to China, finally seeing rates tick up above 11 bucks last Thursday. And it kept pushing uh, right up through yesterday when uh, early rumors of $13.90 and 14 and a quarter fixed on C5 saw prints of the December paper up to 31,000 and uh, 17,000 trading on the Q1. These fixtures were not confirmed, however, and more rumors emerged to fixtures closer to the $13 level saw deck trade back down to 28,500 and the Q1 printing down to 16 and a half. The C3 Brazil China has not figured as much in this rise, although rates have pushed up above $27. Nothing compared to that percentage change on the C5 Australia to China iron ore route. After that extraordinary ride up of over 50% on the front month, the paper has cooled a touch more today with the deck valued at uh, 26,700 at the moment on FIS Live and Q1 at 16,000. So going into the year end, volumes continue to be relatively lackluster on both the paper and the physical. And the question now is, can we sustain this push any further before the holidays? The Panamax is lagged well behind, as you mentioned, uh, continuing to fall on both the physical and the paper throughout the last week, uh, with weakness, especially on that front hall. Some green shoots, I, I dare I say it, of recovery started to, uh, to show up on Monday, led by the no-pack rounds initially and then rising TA rates. Uh, the bounce back on paper has been a bit healthier still, led by the capes as well. Uh, Deck 4 TC paper is trading at 21,250 this morning. That's up uh, 2,500 week on week. While the Q1 is at 20,250, that's up 2,700 bucks week on week. But as we come into the end of the year, is there a point where we go, no, we're absolutely done? There's a point in December where, no, that's that's the end of the year for the kind of you know, the, usually. The, the question is, I guess, more will we see sort of a rush to fix before the sort of last few weeks of December, you know? So in the next two weeks, are we going to see a bit of a rush to buy both charters and owners to get things done? And in that rush, who's going to get the upper hand? So, you know, watch this space. Um, things look fairly balanced right now in terms of demand on both Cape and Panamax. So honestly, it would be very difficult to say, okay, you know, this, this has to keep pushing up until the end of the year. On the other hand, I can't quite bring myself to see a total collapse again either. So let's let's see where we go. We're looking more, for more fireworks in this market towards the end of the year. <laughs> exactly. It's probably just got to disappoint and flatline into the end of the year. We said last week that we were seeing a little bit, sensing a little bit of that end of year feeling. Um, I think we still are, to be honest. Look, the volumes have not been absolutely massive um, in the past few days yep. uh, on the paper. So yep. let's let's see where we go. You were talking about that kind of flatlining in, into the end of market, feeling end of year. And that's yeah. definitely what we're seeing in the in the oil and products before we go yeah. to the ferris. And we have seen a kind of a little falling crude prices. Again, this is a similar pattern that we've been seeing week and week and week is from the podcast in the previous week, yeah. we see a fall into the, the weekend before a little pickup into the start of the week. Um, week on week, High sulfur fuel oil down a handful of dollars and very low sulfur fuel oil fairly flat. The high sulfur fuel oil crack has risen with, you know, the fall in Brent, the usual inverse relationship uh, we've had, uh, which it didn't really have any impact on price yeah. uh, to protect it from that. But, you know, it, it doesn't seem that it's just a balancing act where nothing's particularly moving and we're falling into this steady pattern into the end of the year. 
Um, we did, although, see a continuing trend that we saw last week of the narrowing of the gas, oil, and very low sulfur fuel oil prices. Uh, Rotterdam had moved from hun- minus 142.25 to minus 127, so a narrowing of the difference between those two. And the same on the Sing, uh, minus 97.50 to minus 80. So those prices are converging together. And we have seen uh, with that fall in prices, we we came off seven week lows in the uh, the session with that drop into the weekend. Uh, and this we did see some news from OPEC delegates saying the wider OPEC plus production group was reassessing its monthly output hikes in response to the, of course, big news of the week is the state oil reserve release. So this is a balancing act now again between OPEC production, which has been lackluster recently, yeah. they've been looking at what they should yeah. need in terms of returning of oil supply and demand and going, ah, and obviously the big point, and it's a political point, uh, definitely to say that the pressure that uh, President Joe Biden's under to bring down those prices absolutely at a point where his administration's don't underestimate not... how angry people get in the US when the gas price goes exactly. up. So, you know, you know, especially a point is his administration I think it's fair to say is not the most popular. Not right now at the no. moment. So, uh... so he's definitely getting a lot of pressure into that, and we saw that with obviously the big news, the strategic reserve release, which was coordinated between a handful of countries: uh, U.S., China, India, U.K. as well. So the White House said that it would be releasing 50 million barrels of oil uh, over several weeks. Uh, that's about two and a half days worth of U.S. oil consumption, to put it in a bit of context. But that's the first time we've seen a coordinated release like this in a decade, right? So, and that is the uh, yeah. biggest release from the street reserve, if yeah. that is what they release. Exactly. So it is significant, uh, definitely. But in terms of the market reaction, somewhat muted. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like, yeah. And question mark of, of <laughs> releasing 50 million barrels. Um, but I guess the context you need is what the current market is is that what what is that strategic reserve going into and the problem is long-term stocks are at lows so if you this is definitely this come from the the financial times looking at five-year averages of weekly minimum and maximum levels of supply uh definitely in storage stocks levels and Mm -hmm. we are right at the bottom of that range for for october so this oh, is what wow. this, the kind okay. of context of what the strategic reserve is going into. And that what I suspect this has been is uh, there has been such a problem with the pandemic in terms of, of demand that supply is now struggling to make up for the, the increase sudden in adjustments, demand. Sudden adjustments, yeah. Sudden adjustments back into a yeah. normal market. So you may not see as bigger reaction to this kind of news. And, and clearly the market thinks that by its reaction yesterday of, of what's happening. So exactly. OPEC plus, oh, well, we'll just elongate when we're going to get back to normal and the strategic reserve will just kind of filter into a market of where we're at low reserves anyway. Exactly. So actually, what kind of impact would that have? Probably net out flat going to the end of the year, kind of normal. We also have the context of rising cases of COVID-19 in yeah. Europe. New uh, lockdowns being imposed. So. Austria's done it. Germany said they wouldn't rule it out. Uh, Northern Ireland have gone for work work at home at the moment. Ireland's obviously several weeks ago went into a stronger uh, COVID regulation. So that's the context that we have generally. So it's more of a picture of a balancing act of, well, OPEC aren't going to be producing as much. It goes up. Actually, we could have lockdowns and a reducing of demand again. And this <clears throat> strange thing yeah. in the middle of the strategic reserve coordinated release. So lots of bits and pieces happening in that. 
And it's somewhat reflected again in what's happening on the physical side. So this is from our partners, Engine, who provide materials. And you can see all this on a daily basis as well if you uh, log in and sign up for FIS Live. Uh, east of Suez, bunker, bunker prices mixed. Uh, so we did move up with a slight rise up in Brent crew. But again, bad weather is causing problems, especially true in uh, South Korea. Looking at uh, Europe and Africa, low sulfur bunker prices have ticked up across Europe and Africa and supplies continue to clear backlogs after all these weather disruptions that we've been talking about for several weeks. Gibraltar, for example, has had quite a significant problem there. Very low sulfur remains tight in terms of supplies for prompt dates of score and has kept its price premiums over Rotterdam of around 30 bucks there. Uh, congestion has increased in Gibraltar. Uh, alongside all the weather problems, I'm sure this is because of the backlog of not being able to to bunker properly uh, or as normal. So definitely some bits and pieces which are yeah. happening there, but negligible in terms of the wider movements and somewhat netting off effects. And we're sticking around this 80 bucks level, and I'm sure that's something we're going to be wandering into the end of the year. And it's all a question again of, <clears throat> well, what are OPEC actually going to do? How long yeah. can they keep together the the causes of keeping uh, that production down. I know there's always the rebel countries of, of Russia and others who want to be pumping out more, especially <laughs> at this price. Well, exactly, exactly. So things to watch, but definitely a sense somewhat similar to last week of to the end of the year. I don't really want to be moving this too much. <laughs> exactly. I'm thinking too much about this. <clears throat> Let's not try and move that needle too much right as I close my book sort of yeah. thing, yeah. Um, but then a market whose needle has basically spun around several times yeah. and no one knows where it's going, the, exactly. the iron ore market, Kerry. What, what well, are you seeing there? The iron ore has been fairly bullish in the past week with good news for once uh, emerging in the downstream real estate market within China. Uh, increased expectations for the resumption of production at steel mills as well. Uh, the Chinese housing market is seeing positive signals in the easing of economic measures from China's central bank and an expected interest rate cut before the end of this year. This led some market participants to gain confidence in the real estate sector in general, and that's been filtering through to both the steel and the iron ore markets domestically and indeed on the, uh, the dollar price iron ore market as well. Meanwhile, according to MySteel, the pollution-related production limits in Tangshan and other places have been lifted, and it's reported that large steel mills will resume normal production in December. Although, I think one must remain very suspicious of any report that the PRC government will allow full-scale production to resume just leading into the Beijing Winter Olympics. I find it incredibly unlikely that at least during the period of the Winter Olympics, they will, they will allow... Uh, suffocating smog. Yeah, suffocating <laughs> smog to, to, to smother the city. So let's watch that space carefully. But um, indeed, the World Steel and <clears throat> the World Steel Association reported that global steel production in October was actually down 10.6% year on year at 146 million tons. That was led by a startling decline in China of 23% or so year on year. So even if the mills increase their run rate slightly, there would have to be quite a dramatic change, I think, to increase production to anything close to last year's levels. Um, the salient point here that the market is watching, therefore, when we're talking about the, um, the iron ore futures being fairly bullish, is that the, uh, I think the moves by the Chinese government to shore up the domestic property market, you know, that's sending a signal, okay, you know, we are not going to let this crash. This will likely avoid a catastrophic property market crash, at the same time, personally, I'm not yet convinced this offsets the general change in the Chinese construction model moving forward, away from excessive and debt-fueled residential construction. You know, the, the problems that Evergrande and all the other developers ran into this year 
I think are problems that the Chinese government's probably unlikely to allow them to repeat. So, you know, we have to wonder, you know, we said the other week that what's really happening here is a, is a kind of change in the Chinese um, construction paradigm, the first one in probably 25 years, you know, away from this massive debt-fueled excessive construction, you know, is a little bit of state support for the property market to prevent a crash going to offset that general change in the paradigm? I think that's the that's the question to watch for. Um, you know, at the same time, uh, it's worth noting that Chinese in inventories at ports also continued to rise last week, up 0.67%. They are now seasonally higher than in any, any of the past five years. So, you know, there is a, a healthy level of port inventory. So, you know, I, I'm very glad to see that the iron ore is finding a little bit of support. But uh, at the same time, I think we should also take that within the broader context of very healthy port inventories and and some mild state support, not necessarily meaning, you know, a complete return to, to unbridled construction um, everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you've made your opinion very clear on, <laughs> on where the iron market Do I sound like end. I'm talking my own book here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, Heaven forbid anyone allow you to have a book. But, exactly. But you're talking about just before we finish for this week, yeah. it's definitely worth highlighting some points going forward. And so much of the world, and especially a sense commodities is driven by the Chinese market oh, yeah. that this shift could definitely have a huge impact. Oh, yeah. So something which has been picked up by the uh, economist in looking back at 2011 and looking back at yeah. 2020 last year in terms of its change of percent of world consumption of certain commodities. Yeah. So iron ore has gone from just over 60 percent to just shy of 80. Uh, seaborne imports Aluminium's gone from just over 40% to 60%, refined copper from 40 to nearly 60, steel from 45 to nearly 60%, refined yeah. nickel, a huge amount number of these products are, are driven by that increase from exactly. China. But this changes from, well, we're not going to be so crazy in terms of how much we're going to be consuming anymore, then it has a huge knock-on effect. For I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that's what people need to be keeping in their minds when they're when for they're looking year. at these markets you exactly. know for next year absolutely although the final point what was the only commodity of the one that they listed which dropped are you asking me to guess yes i'm asking you to guess from 20 <laughs> from 2020 2011 to 2020 which is the only percent will percentage that dropped the ones that they picked uh, that's probably not the one you think <laughs> gosh i have not got a clue I, i'm gonna be honest i haven't got a clue it's a food stuff rice no <laughs> pork pork Yes. Really? Yes. Interesting. Okay. That actually went down. Okay. It went down. Marginally, but it did drop from about 45 to I wonder. 45%. I wonder if that's substituting other domestic. sort of grander meats Maybe. for it. More, better domestic production and or, you know, more people eating beef, things like that. But, or yeah. other more countries taking a larger slice in eating yeah. more pork. But there you exactly. go. There's your nugget of interesting, interesting fact, of the, fact day. of the day. Yeah. But uh, it only says to uh, say thank you, Kerry, and everyone who's listening <laughs> to uh, a little short intro to all the oh, overview of what's been happening yeah. over the last week. And we look forward to uh, one more podcast of normality. Our penultimate podcast uh, of the year of the next year, week. Yeah, before, exactly. I guess, a nice overview of what we've had this uh, pretty crazy year. Uh, it'll be quite a, a long special, I, think, I guess, Indeed. for the Christmas special to, to view everything that's been around that. Before we start to look ahead at what would be potentially a more normal year next year but it's yet to well be seen. yeah watch that space <laughs> well thank you carrie and everyone listening do Thanks, join us Chris. again next week